Right. Um, yeah. My name is Johannes Schickling. Uh, I'm based here in Berlin, and like one third of my time spent in San Francisco. And yeah, roughly two two years ago, we started out GraphQL, which is started out as a backend as a service based on GraphQL and serverless. And we recently turned it into a GraphQL backend development framework. And the intention is to turn it actually into a GraphQL database. So by database, we don't mean like building another MySQL or another Postgres. We're actually using MySQL under the hood, but giving you an abstraction um, as a GraphQL API to work with your data and also using GraphQL SDL to evolve your data your data model and map it to existing databases. So that's sort of a high-level description of what we're doing. Um, how does that differ from what various GraphQL bindings kind of do themselves in a, in a Ruby or JavaScript or whatever? Right, right, right. So um, in, in the GraphQL tooling ecosystem, yeah, there, there are a couple of different groups. So uh, I think what you're referring to are what's commonly referred to as GraphQL engines. So this is typically a core server library to implement GraphQL servers. So things like GraphQL.js or Sangria and Scala or the, the one Ruby or in Elixir and all of these. So they typically give you a code framework where you can implement typically so-called resolvers and you specify your, your data model. Um, so the, the easiest one to grasp is called GraphQL Tools by, by Apollo. It's, it's a two-step um, two process. So first you have to define your, your data model, or, sorry, your, your GraphQL API um, and your, the schema for that using GraphQL SDL. So you write simple type definitions of how your schema should look like. And in the second step, you implement functions that are called resolvers that basically return back a value for a specific field in your, in your schema. So that's typically called the GraphQL engine. Um, and what we basically help people with is inside of these resolvers, this is where you have to actually write your code. And what we found is that 80% of the code in a typical application is just consists out of this data mapping to a database. And this is where you try to map like your, your GraphQL schema to uh, and resolve that in a most efficient way to, a, for example, a SQL database or to a REST API. And we basically help you to do the mapping to your, to your database under the hood and therefore like get rid of this 80% of code that you can focus on data validation, your business logic, authentication, authorization. So it, it very much fits in there. And then, so, so what, what, what does a developer get after all that? Do you have your own kind of SDKs or right. something like that? So um, there, there are a couple of ways how you can use it. Um, so all of it is open source. If you would want to just host it yourself, you'd basically, um, your architecture would look like this. You would have a database that's MySQL. We're also going to support Postgres in the future. Um, in front of that, you'd put the GraphQL server. So that just you just spin up a Docker, uh, Docker container um, that exposes an HTTP-based GraphQL API. And this GraphQL API, you then um, you reuse in your own GraphQL server. That's typically referred to as a GraphQL API gateway. Um, and in this gateway resides your authentication, your business logic, and 
this is typically your final endpoints that you consume from your front-end applications. Okay. So what you really get is this, uh, in, the, in the simplest form, a Docker container that turns your database into a GraphQL API. And how might this compare to any products or projects in the kind of more traditional REST world? Is there anything equivalent that people might be able to relate to? Mm, so, I mean, <clears throat> in, the, in the simplest form, you can kind of think about Rails or any okay. other kind of bigger oh, web right. framework on okay. ORM. So an ORM is sort of contempt to, to what, what we're doing. So what an ORM typically does, it's like a sophisticated query builder with a nice nice uh, DSL around it. Yeah. So you you get a way to traverse relationships and all of that. But typically what this does is it just gives you this DSL. You construct your data requirements and this ORM and this query builder spits out a big data uh, a big SQL string that yeah, gets yeah, passed yeah, over to yeah, the database yeah. and typically these end up to be uh, like they work quite well at the beginning throughout development yeah. and then as, long, uh, as soon as you have like 10,000 uh, nodes in your, in your database suddenly performance oh, no, becomes horrible my early days of when I did more development were both with uh, Cake PHP which was an right, early right. MVC framework yeah I've done a lot of uh, Laravel and also but, Drupal yeah. I did a lot of okay, Drupal okay. when we used to look at the data bus performance there so we called one node and got like, <laughs> all this other stuff exactly and it, and it typically works like you, you get off the ground really quickly yeah, but then at some point your most uh, like your the most useful uh, where it's mo the most useful you have to throw it out again yeah, yeah. and like write your own uh, your own custom queries because joins are typically not not, yeah. not managed really well <laughs> and, so, I'm sorry yeah. Yeah. so is this the reason why you've decided so far to stick with uh, MySQL and Postgres and no NoSQL databases because you want to keep following this kind of more relational ORM type model for now. Right. So it, it has nothing to do about ORMs. I mean, this is just entirely what, yeah, okay. what, what our what our software does. Um, but so we, we mostly picked uh, MySQL because we can run it as a cloud offering based on AWS Aurora, okay. which, <laughs> which scales really well yeah. also for enterprise applications. Um, and then on the other side, like we we have quite about uh, quite a bit of background working with NoSQL databases, and definitely also have seen the, the downsides of working yeah. in, this, in the schema less uh, in the schema less approach. Also for this, like we're exposing a graph API on top of your database, um, and that typically doesn't really work well with document source. Yeah, okay. Um, so this is why we're using relational database currently under the hood. We've also considered actually mapping this to a graph uh, to a graph database yeah. directly yeah. things like um, like Neo4j yeah. maybe maybe Arango yeah. um, we haven't done so at the beginning because they were just like they didn't perform well enough okay. for us um, we are uh, we're currently considering an architecture where the database under the hood is pluggable so that we would provide multiple database drivers we're starting out with MySQL Postgres is, is coming up in, uh, in in the future as well but we already have people who are now that this is in the open source um, people who want to actually contribute uh, a RangoDB driver, or okay, um, yeah. we're, we're talking yeah. to folks at Neo4j yeah. who, who are also interested yeah. in, in bringing this into the ecosystem. There's a strange amount of graph databases in Germany. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, Neo is not actually um, coming from, from Germany. Oh, okay. But it's also a European company. Yeah, I've, I've met them. I've just met them in Germany.
In fact, there's a lot of databases for stop and do it. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Well, so th this might be also the, the tricky part about our position, that we call it a GraphQL database, but it's rather, it's meant to provoke the yeah. right questions in people that yeah. write associations. Yeah. Um, but it's, well, we're not actually building a database, no, it's no, just no. like the abstraction of Yeah, that. I think that's probably best anyway. <laughs> so what, I mean, GraphQL is pretty new. I don't know. So it's, 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 it's been released two and a half years ago, so yeah, okay, uh, but it's like it's been in development since I was six years. So did you like the, the how long after its release did you look at it and think this is something really interesting? I want to do something with. Right. So I, I have to take a step back there, and since like I didn't just look at GraphQL and decide, okay, this is gonna be big, um, but I like. When I get in, got into web development and started probably similar to you, like with, with PHP um, and like H, like all of, all of the, the the web development stack, and um, then I was uh, one of the first people who really believed in the entire single page application. Okay. Um, when there was just like backbone was just coming out, and I, I remember that I kind of naturally or intuitively refused building this monolithic stack okay. and rather said okay I'm just going to expose this by JSON and figure all the front end stuff out in, in the actual front end and I've went through like all these different frameworks like started out with, with Backbone tried out Ember uh, built some bigger apps with, with Angular and when React came out and it was just like the very early versions of React um, I immediately jumped on that because I, I saw this great abstraction pattern and it was still there was like no webpack back then and there was like a very um, very horrible to, to use at the beginning but I, I saw this big win in terms of the abstraction I, I knew that like the tooling would get there and that, that this will make it mainstream eventually so and I, I've never regretted taking this leap of faith and when I once I saw uh, GraphQL coming out I saw the exact same pattern but like even the, the potential I saw in that was was even even bigger. So um, back then, when I when I first heard about GraphQL, when it was just introduced at at, Graf, uh, at React Europe back then, um, I was still um, working on my previous startup. So the best I could do is like put GraphQL in the very top of my bucket list. Um, and like every every I had this routine that like um, every evening I just check like Reddit programming and Reddit JavaScript. And all of these subreddits um, for like what seems interesting to me. And GraphQL seemed to pop up over and over again. So after I went through my, my previous company and we had an exit and sold the, sold the company, I could finally go back to my bucket list. And at the very top there was was GraphQL. So this this is how we how we finally got started. That was at the beginning of 2016. What what appealed so much about it to you that you wanted to start? A, a new business around it. So um, there were a couple of things. So one, GraphQL seems to um, for, for me itself one of the biggest problem problems that I had was backend development, which is that it introduces this, this layer 
that you can more easily extend and work with without needing to change the front end and without yeah. needing to change the back end. And also even more the other way around, that you can evolve your front end without constantly needing to, to poke the back end team to, to, to take certain certain adjustments. So this additional layer in your your backend, which, which currently is, it takes a bit of time until people appreciate that. So this is what I currently, what, what I typically refer to as like pain-driven development. It's like a term we use inside of the uh, inside of our team. So what I mean with that is, what what, what I mean with that is when you were exposed to a certain problem, in, like to typically a very painful problem, yeah. and you see a certain solution for it, you really appreciate that solution. And most people who currently see GraphQL as an overhead, they weren't really exposed to this problem before. Okay, yeah. And when yeah. they had this problem, then it clicks way, way yeah. um, they, then it really clicks for them. Yeah. So um, and and yeah, so this this is what what, what made it what made it so appealing for us. And then also from as I got started building. The the, the first version of um, of what now GraphQL is, I um, I realized okay this is this is very this is very generic. My my intention at, at back then was just to build a first GraphQL server to get a feeling for it, and I realized how generic um, really this mapping from your from it from an API to a database is, and this was always uh, the the goal a backend service was trying to fulfill, what Parse tried to fulfill. Firebase is trying to fulfill, um, but from from a technical perspective, they never were powerful enough. Like when I tried to to use Firebase or Parse, always hit the limits like after twenty minutes. Okay. So I could never really. Do you mean the limits of conceptual limits? <coughs> so m- mostly on three technical levels. Okay. So one is uh, around the API flexibility, so that you like you either get an SDK or you get a REST API. Yeah. So and this is where graphics just gives you the, the API flexibility that you need for your data model. Um, second was around authentication, authorization workflows. It's like never quite enough to just have a login with with Twitter button, but you need like your your for for your company your single sign-on solution and, yeah, and so on. Also around extensibility, where you now have serverless functions as a great building block that enables event-driven architectures. So this was there, there were a whole new set of technologies available that that weren't available back then when ours started out. So and this yeah, is where yeah, yeah, fair and, enough. it has been it was around for a while, wasn't it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And this is where we now said, okay, actually backend service now can work. Okay. And this is this is how, how we then um, decided to, um, yeah. to 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 go all in on this. And what's the graph? I encountered graph cool. I'll be. It's very easy to make them sound quite similar. <laughs> I'll, I'll over over accentuate the differences. Because um, you run the GraphQL meetup here in Berlin, which is pretty popular. I've been to a couple of the, the meetups, hmm, um, and I think it's one of those interesting. It's always typical of sort of newer technologies. Is everyone is very enthusiastic. Everyone goes wanting. You know, there's no experts really, yet. and everyone goes wanting to have their problem solved. But of course, no one has that enough experience yet. So, so, so it's sort of an interesting point in time. I find the same thing with things like chatbots and voice interfaces. Mm, yep, yep. Everyone goes to meet up going, "Tell me all the answers." Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm about one step 
better than you. So, um, so what is the community like? Uh, you know, I guess you are the only, if not one of the very few, doing something like this in the space. Um, how supportive is the community around that? And I guess, what is it like working with a, uh, it would be very similar with React, with a, an open source project that is popular, but is, you know, dominated probably by one large company. And so what's the community like? Right, that, that, that's a great question. So there, I think there are a couple couple of aspects to unpack there. So um, there, I would say besides Facebook, where GraphQL originated, who's not too terribly familiar, uh, too terribly uh, involved in the community itself besides being um, contributing great talks and, and so on. Um, but I, th I think there are two, two dominant players in the GraphQL space at the moment, which is us and Apollo. So Apollo is the same company as MeteorJS, the, the popular JavaScript framework. Okay. And they've basically also seen GraphQL as a, as a big, big opportunity and then have built front-end tooling like Apollo Client, which is available for pretty much every every front-end framework, also for iOS and Android, and are now building more and more server-related tooling. So they've, for example, built Apollo Optics, which is similar to what engine... Oh, what, sorry, what... Um, damn it, what, what is it called again? Um, the the, the, the server-side monitoring, the, the, the host one. Um... Uh, like we, we, we get like a um, a little a little agent that you put into oh, your servers. New relic. New relic. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Blanked out for a second. So um, so they've basically with Apollo Optics they've built like a new relic for for GraphQL and uh, okay, okay. Uh, are now building uh, a bit of more tooling around that. Um, <clears throat> and together with them we we try to help the community as much as possible. So um, we are trying to uh, to take as many steps as possible here in Europe. So we've done also the GraphQL Europe conference. Okay. I'm not sure where the we've uh, were there earlier this year with like 350 people attending like a lot of people um, coming over from San Francisco giving great talks here some of our customers even flew in from New Zealand from Australia which, which was fantastic um, and um, besides that there's also a fantastic online community so in GitHub repositories in uh, our forum in our Slack channel and this is where we where we seen like some people who are in GraphQL since a little longer they really it's, it's like almost an urge for them to help other people to get into to, to get into GraphQL and um, we always try to see what is the biggest blocker at the moment for people getting into into GraphQL um, and that was especially true at the beginning so at the beginning we've built this technology and it was suddenly really easy to build a GraphQL Backend. And the biggest problem for people then was like, well, I don't have no idea how, to, how I can use it in the front end. And the only yeah. way how you could use it in the front end was using Relay. And there was not really documentation yeah. around Relay. This is actually my experience. I found it's actually typical of a lot of especially new technologies is you get to a getting started guide and you go through it and it's oh, great. I get it. And then you're like, now what? And there's always this huge disconnect between getting started and then doing the next thing. 
exactly. And you, you kind of get stuck at that point. Exactly. <laughs> so um, what do you what do you had from Relay? And this is what the Relay for um, is the first GraphQL client developed by Facebook, and that was pretty much the only thing uh, available at the beginning. Um, and so we had like a lot of people who were excited about GraphQL as a as a promise, but it wasn't really uh, like that. You can go there and say, look at this full stack example. This is how you do it. Yeah, yeah. There was just like we provided them a way how to set up a backend, but then the next step was really to use Relay. That was before Apollo client was revealed. Yeah. So as a first step, we've created Learn Relay Org, which is basically a from zero to production tutorial that teaches you everything you need to know. Did you also do the Did you, are you also responsible for the Learn GraphQL one? Um, so Le Learn GraphQL was even before that, okay. and we we took some inspiration from yeah. that. I found that quite useful, but again, you get to a certain point. And my main struggle was I understood the syntax and I understood the schema, but I didn't really know how to incorporate it into it. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, um, and and I'll get to that in a second. So, what we've done after Learn Relay, now that Apollo client took more, took more and more off, is we've created Learn Apollo uh, okay. as well. So it was a very similar uh, setup, and back then we already had a bigger community that came in through Learn Relay, for example, and we we had these people also helping out with Learn Apollo. So now we really made it super super simple for people to get started in the front end space as well. And then the next, so this is where we unlocked the getting started experience for early adopters. So the next step was like for people who kind of heard about this GraphQL thing. And the best way for them to get started was through Learn GraphQL. Um, but this kind of teaches them syntax and how to how to do certain things. But it never really put it into context for like where how that fits into how that fits into your stack and how you take this beyond writing your hello world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So things like authentication, authorization. Yeah. How, where do you put what? Yeah. So. Um, And at the same time, uh, Learn GraphQL was actually taken down. So there, there was this void in the space, and we tried to, together with, with our community, we created How to GraphQL. Yeah. Um, Maybe that was it. Maybe that was it. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. And so, and How to GraphQL is basically now replaced Learn Apollo and Learn Relay. And gives you basically for every front end and every back end technology uh, an a, con a connected getting started experience from zero to, to production. Yeah. So the, this is, so around learning, we're trying to contribute a lot to the community. Uh, it's, it's so I mean, getting into a little bit more detail about the company and how we're able to do that. I mean, I'm guessing you probably had some funding. To begin with, so um, it's not been, it can't be very long, right? <laughs> um, so back then, back at the beginning of uh, 2016, I was basically the, the very first days when, when I got started, I was basically taking this idea, taking the first prototype, bringing up a couple of my friends who were freelancing and asking them whether they would want to use this for the, for the next project, and getting all of that excitement back. This is what really pushed me. To, to get going and one of the people who have asked whether they would use it was a friend of mine who I met in London 
and uh, he told me, wait, I've built the exact same thing three months ago. And he just like bought an airplane ticket, jumped on the airplane same the same weekend, and this, this ended up becoming my co-founder. And since then, we're basically working full-time. And um, yeah, pretty much over the first um, seven to nine months, we've been bootstrapping. That's quite quite affordable here in here in Berlin. Yeah, and also in London. Yeah, so this is where, where we've moved out of London. Uh, um, and yeah, then over over the course of the of the summer, we brought in a couple of other people, and to be able to to pay them, we then took in uh, a bit of an early investment. Yeah, and we were fortunate enough to get people like the founder of Heroku um, as, as an angel investor okay. and a couple of other people. It's actually a very appropriate investor. Right, right. Yeah. And it's been, it's been super, super helpful for all of us. And yeah, so that that money has basically kept us going until, until now and we're, we're looking to, to raise our, our, our next financing. You mentioned some, some customers and you don't necessarily have to mention who they are if you don't want to, but... Um, I guess the first question would be, what are the typical use cases you see? Like, are there particular industries or use cases that a lot of people are usually using GraphQL or GraphQL? Right. So I think there are a couple of distinct customer segments. So one is because we're putting so much of the focus on the getting started experience and on the community, there are a lot of hobbyists who are just trying this technology out and just getting started. And I think that's super important. And this is what made React really successful. Um, and this, these, these people, we want to help as much as possible. And from these people, um, some of them end up being, like, they, they tried out on the weekends, but they actually end up being a project manager at a bigger company. And they say, like, okay, we, we want to we look into GraphQL anyway, and we don't, want to, we don't want to build a big GraphQL API manually. So they introduced that. In, inside of the company so we, we see that kind of spreading out from smaller teams within companies um, up to the point where we talk to their infrastructure teams and they make that default um, database for inside of the company for, for new projects but we've also been working with a, with a couple of bigger um, bigger enterprise companies who use that for example inside of their offering to their customers that, that they ship with, with all of their installments so there, there are various use cases. And um, so you mentioned that the, the hosted uh, AWS Aurora option. Right. So do you have a commercial product now already? Right. Yeah. So to, to, to better understand yeah. our, the distinction between what's open source and what our commercial offering looks like. So our entire technology stack is open source. So if you want to, you can just host it yourself. Um, but we also provide a hosted version of that. Uh, and this is what we call a GraphQL Cloud. So there, there are two versions of that. So either um, what we call a shared cluster. So this has traditionally been our backend service offering that runs on a big installment that we maintain for you. And um, what we, we, we got, this is what the majority of smaller customers are using. Um, and there's also a free plan where you can get started super quickly um, without needing to set up anything. Yeah. But we got a lot of feedback 
feedback from our bigger customers that they cannot have their their sensitive uh, information stored in in a a public cloud. So this is where we when we introduce private clusters. So this basically allows you to connect your AWS account to the Kafka platform. So we we help you to provision and and monitor and do operations for your own installment and you get all of the the benefits and all of the features of the graphical platform still and yeah and um, I guess so what would you say are some of the upcoming uh, developments that excite you A for GraphQL and B for GraphQL <laughs> right so we I've just been coming back from the GraphQL Summit Conference two, two weeks ago there were, was so amazing to, to meet all of these other big companies who are, uh, have adopted GraphQL over the last year IBM has, has talked about how they how they they see using like IBM's adopting everything. Yeah, but like <laughs> they, they're really also in the, in the forefront there. We've been um, in, in close touch with, with Facebook again, and they they're for example looking more into what real time APIs look like around GraphQL. Um, so the, the entire there, there are a couple of spaces that that particularly excite me about GraphQL at the moment. One is is real time. The other is tooling that makes it just so much easier to um, to work quickly with GraphQL yeah. without um, that just gives you a safe environment especially leveraging the, the type system of GraphQL and building proper tooling around this also that uh, improves the workflows and um, on the on the GraphQL side we're currently in um, in the process of extracting these core components of the framework and making them standalone is what what I mean was, was the GraphQL database and we're working on a completely new API design for that we're working on more um, more robust migrations that you can put it into your CI pipeline and, uh, and also some, some of our more workflow oriented features around the data browser we are releasing a new version of the GraphQL Playground so there, there are a couple, couple of exciting things coming up and just anything in the very immediate future, any talks, events, announcements, blog posts you've got coming up over the next couple of weeks that you really want right, to make sure people Right, right, right. So we're, we're planning to actually have the first version of the GraphQL database released by, hopefully by the end of this year. Okay. So that's something to, to look out for. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for having us to you.